listeners, new time fans and friends, and maybe some long lost lovers. Welcome back to the Dare Daniel podcast. My name is Corky McDonald, and yeah, well, fuck you too, sister. <laughs> With me, as always, is the man you have missed in new styling duds. It is Daniel Barnes. Hi, fucking yeah, everyone. As Corky <laughs> said, we back. We back after 120 some episodes of the show. We're switching up the format a little bit. In the past, as you know, other than you know our Trollville Timber, our Scared Anna, we generally review an unrelated movie every week. We skip all around, all over the place. But now, whoop, flipping the script. Right. Here's the script. Yeah, I flipped it. It's flipped. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. Now we're going to devote an entire series of episodes to a single subject. Yeah, so what this means is we're going to be doing a specific season of episodes focused on one performer, one director, one genre, something like that. We're talking short seasons, maybe five to ten episodes per. It'll be a fun way to keep the show fresh, but also allows us to do deeper dives and explore themes. And on our first deep dive, we're going to go after one of our white whales, the incomparable Nicolas Cage. We've only reviewed one Cage movie in the first 120-some episodes, first five-plus years, which doesn't seem right. Over the next several months, we're going to make up for that. We will explore the terrifying nooks the disturbing crannies and the toasty crunch of Nicolas Cage, all for your sick and twisted amusement, you sick and twisted son of a bitches, in what we're calling Dare Daniel colon Cage Match. Dare Daniel Cage Match means that in the coming weeks, we'll be reviewing about half a dozen Nicolas Cage movies. They're going to be from various genres across several decades, and we're kicking it off with one of his most notorious roles, starring as a blood-sucking agent turned literal bloodsucker in Robert Bierman's 1989 dark comedy, Vampire's Kiss. And you're going to need a beer, man, to get through this one. You're a fucking writer, dude. A wordplay. <laughs> wordplay. It comes out of me. Quirky, before we get started, I want to say a few things. First of all, thank you to everyone who continued to support us yeah. during this hiatus, Big which time. took a lot longer than we initially expected but i think you'll agree it's worth it god look look at us my god we're fantastic um you know what we didn't lose a single monthly donator over these months we didn't try soliciting donations or anything like that and hey i would have understood yeah no new episodes yeah kick us to the curb i would have been chill with it but thank you so much to everyone who's continued to support a second and also, if you're not aware, I mean, we've been doing these rerun episodes this entire time. Every couple of weeks, we're revisiting old episodes, but they all contain new material. They, we recorded new intros for every one of them. So if you haven't been downloading the show, or you haven't been listening because you thought this is old content, nothing new under the sun for me, you've got like a cumulative 90 minutes to maybe two hours of content yeah. just pure entertainment waiting for you there and and we get into some of the stuff that was happening in our lives at the time we talk about quirky's wedding spoiler alert we talk about a whole bunch of other things that were going on in the world and just uh just having a good old time sitting by the fire just you know whitlin and um finally in case you weren't aware two weeks ago We released a mini episode in which we introduced this new concept for Dare Daniel in a little bit more detail. We talk about Nick Cage in general. We offered some thoughts and opinions. We talked about some of our favorite 
roles of Nick Cage. Did I mention Wild at Heart? I think I just you did. Totally... No, you you okay. You went, yeah. Whew, thank God that was just I'm losing sleep over that. My God. Okay. So if you want a little more context for this new direction of the show, if you're already lost, you're like six, six seven minutes in, you're like, I don't already know what the, what the fuck. Go back to that episode. Listen to that mini episode first. Get that context. Come back here. We'll rate. We will be here. We'll sure. be waiting for you. Go right ahead. Do it now. Pause now. See, we're still here. Welcome back from the past. Now it I, makes total sense. I pray you didn't interact with the past in any way that will alter the future. Because, <laughs> you know, time crimes. This is We're not going to be cavalier with the fabric of time and space. This is not one of those podcasts. Okay? That is definitely, That's... though, that is definitely one of the plots of Nick Cage's recent films. Oh, that has to. I think that's most of his recent films. Yeah. Somebody, somebody traveled and, and messed with something. Specifically podcast of it Or something. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of podcast stuff in there. But he All was right. like a, a special agent who was also like a carnival barker. <laughs> that sounds about right. I think that's next or knowing or both next and knowing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right. On to the show. The IMDb synopsis for Vampire's Kiss. After an encounter with a neckbiter, a publishing executive thinks that he's turning into a vampire. Yes, this week's film is Vampire's Kiss. Film, of course, stars Nicolas Cage. He's our man of the hour for the next eh, five, five to seven hours. And this is one of those roles that people talk about in terms of like the full Cage experience. The no filter, no feedback, no wrong answers, no bad ideas. I'm not taking your notes. You're taking my notes. Very similar at least in terms of the kind of go for broke quality to Cage's turn in Deadfall, Christopher Coppola's Deadfall, which is the only other movie we've reviewed on this show, Sam fucking Beckinpah. Mm-hmm. And at the time that Vampire's Kiss came out, Cage is coming off Moonstruck. So that's like his biggest mainstream success to date. He was nominated for an Oscar. So going postal in this really weird little movie was kind of a risk for him. At that. I mean, he really could have played it safe. If he he could have. He could have. But I'll say even in Moonstruck, I was a little like... Wow, that's kind of jarring some of his choices in that, you know? He makes choices. He makes, he makes choices. choices. He's decisive with those choices. He's a choice maker. <laughs> Vampire's Kissed, re- re- I remember this at the time. It received a ton of press, mainly focusing on one, <laughs> like, five seconds of this movie, which is Cage deciding to eat a live cockroach. In one scene. Mm-hmm. More on that in a minute. Vampire's Kiss co-stars Maria Conchita Alonso, Jennifer Beals, Casey Lemons, and Elizabeth Ashley. So it's basically Babe Soup. Yep. Directed by British filmmaker Robert Bierman, who had not really made anything significant at the time and has never made another film of note. And he's done some TV stuff. Written by Joseph Minion, best known for writing After Hours, the Martin Scorsese movie. The cockroach scene. Story goes that it was written to be a raw egg, but it was Cage. Cage! Who suggested that he eat the live cockroach. No one had to talk him into this. He had to talk other people into it. My note for that scene was that this is not the first time that Cage has eaten a live cockroach. (laughs) No, he's done this before. Uh, So he he really wanted to kind of shock and disturb rather rather than just kind of merely surprise. Uh, Released to theaters June 2nd, 1989. Did not do well at the box office despite all that notoriety. Grossed a little over 700000 against a $2 million budget. Critics were very unfavorable. Although, of course, it's 
develop the requisite cult following, especially amongst cage aficionados. 63 on Rotten Tomato, but only a 30 on Metacritic. Most of those reviews coming from 1989. However, no less than Pauline Kale of The New Yorker praised the film, saying of Cage, quote, this daring kid starts over the top and just keeps going. He's airily amazing, end quote. No idea what that means. The more popular sentiment of the era was expressed by Karen James of The New York Times, who wrote, quote, the film is dominated and destroyed by Mr. Cage's chaotic, self-indulgent performance, end quote. Corky. Yeah. In the past, you have sort of gone into a violent rage whenever critics disagree with you. But this is something we've worked on over these past. This is a new me. This has been a huge focus. So using your words. Mm, Yeah. Okay. And and not, not, not casting blame on anyone and just understanding that differences of opinion are something that we all have. Sure. And it's okay and healthy to express it. I have a question for you. Mm. Are you caring about Ms. James and her vampires kiss hate, or are you going in for the kale and loving it? Spot on Pauline Kale impression. Well, Dan, I think that question is appalling. Oh, kale. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, <laughs> actually, her review is factually correct. That's that's the best I'll say about it in the in the first sentence. This daring kid just starts over the top and just keeps going. That is true. <laughs> That is an observation, and that is correct. However, I side more with Garen James, who says the film is dominated and destroyed by his chaotic, self-indulgent performance. And it's the chaotic part, because the self-indulgence leads to good moments as well as bad Mm -hmm. moments with Mm -hmm. Nick Cage. And uh, it's the chaoticness and not knowing when to stop that that ruins some takes where I was pulled in for a sec, and then it, it loses me. (laughs) <laughs> Both right out, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in on Nick Cage in this movie. Cool. What a st- stunning, insane performance. I mean, choices. You want to talk choices? Mm. So you, you know that E40 song, Choices? It's like, yep, <laughs> nope. No, it was yup, yup, yep. yup, yup. We're doing yep, this. We're doing yep, this. yep. Wait, stop, Nick. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. It was just yep. It was all yep. This whole movie is yep. Even before his character gets bitten, That's, the choices. Yes. The that accent that isn't an English accent no. and sometimes isn't even any accent. No, but I but like the lion's share of this movie is one Cage freak out after another. You would not survive a drinking game where you Bro. drank every time Cage freaked out in this movie. Your your liver would explode. My notes are alphabet freak out. <laughs> I'm a vampire freak out. Bat <laughs> freak out. It's just listing yeah. freak outs, and that accent. Starts you at a thing like what is happening? What is what is he going for? Oh boy! It's not yeah. like a mid Atlantic. He says he's from Philly. It's not a Philly accent. Oh boy! No, no. There's a it's it's it has this affected British kind of quality to it. But then a lot of times it will drop up, and then other times he he speaks with a southern drawl. Yeah, he speaks like Elvis. It's just all over the place. But beyond what Cage is bringing, which is just a it, which lot. is the kitchen sink. He's in every and scene, right? Just about. Just about. The, yeah. the only the ones with Maria Conchita Alonso and her family, he's not in. Yeah. Yeah. There's some with Maria Conchita Alonso that he's not in. Um, but beyond that, I, I actually think this is like a, a dark and kind of appropriately ugly satire of, of 80s urban culture, yep. of New York City sleaze, of women in this male-dominated workplace of misogyny and empty and madness. It's set in these really just like 
brutally kind of dark, ugly, sterile places, the office, the art gallery, the restaurant, the club, everything feels like sleazy and dark and ugly. Like Robert Beerman's not a good director, but I think he does the job. Like it's an ugly mo- looking movie, but again, it's an ugly yeah. movie. Like it's scathing film. Although I did laugh a lot, mainly because of Cage and his bizarre decisions. But I think that like the the ugliness is apt to what's going on here. And the script I think is kind of kind of great in although clearly the work of somebody like <laughs> going through some fucking shit. Yes. And I, where it goes in the third act is just very, very twisted. I, it's not a bad movie to me. I, you know, mm-hmm. I did enjoy a lot of it. And I think the director it works best when he's doing establishing or background stuff, you know, the kind of stuff that informs us of a mood of what's coming and what's happening next, as opposed to just single shots on cage, where it's just kind of like set the camera up, let him go, set it up low, set it up high, yeah. have some business going on beside him. But there's a, there's a big shot. Like it, it, it's not a B movie because it's obviously had some money put yeah. and he was, a, he was nominated for an Oscar as he was in this. So like there's that big shot in the dance club in New York mm. City, right? And it, it captures a lot. And, and like that had to cost more money than say dancing it's on or something like that, right? <laughs> right, like the entire movie. <laughs> right. So there's good touches to it. So it's not like, like it's not a, it's a B plus movie. It's not a B movie because it's yeah. not it's not a high top of the tier quality movie. But it also has that marriage of what I love of that old New York and mo- more modern New York. They're still the harkening back. It's like they're running through their office and it's all this old furnished wood. Their heels are clicking on surfaces. There's no carpeting, no vinyl composition tile, right? It gives you that like old feel of mm-hmm. archaic and yeah. compressed in the city. And it feels like nobody lives in the city except for the uber rich and the uber destitute. Yeah, you know, like everyone is either a yuppie or they're or they're homeless. You know, and daytime doesn't exist in this world. It's no. like you're shuttered inside with things closed, and then nighttime is when you go out. But yeah, totally. It's it's that it's like another take on American Psycho on that yuppie yeah. successful behavior. Absolutely, yeah. No, it's 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 Brady Stanellis adjacent for sure, um, and Jay McInerney adjacent yeah. too, even down to the kind of like you know this split between like what's really happening and what's just you know a hallucination or madness. Mm. Um, but yeah, obviously, it all kind of hinges on Cage and whether <laughs> whether you're going along for the ride or whether you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, right. like I can't stand it. So I think it's. Cage is the barometer by which you will like or not like this movie, no matter what else is going on in it. But it is, I mean, it's, it's like as funny as it was, it was a brutal fucking watch, man. Like it, it's rough. All right, let's get into it. All right. We open with this sort of murky shot of the New York City skyline at dawn. And I mean, again, like this is not Woody Allen's Manhattan. You have never seen New York City look uglier. <laughs> like it doesn't yeah. look, it looks so ugly. You're so used to like movies ent- opening on the majestic yeah. New York City skyline, the overwhelming and the beautiful and the picturesque. This is just like muddy and murky and bleh. See, I dug this though. I dug this. I loved it too. It was yeah. skyline when the sun is setting. It's pink behind all these. And you're not getting the whole buildings. You're not getting the sense of their majesty. You're just getting the top, the forgotten mm-hmm. parts. And to me, it felt like a hearkening to kind of like Romanian castles or something like that. We're really tying into the vampire. Oh, yeah. Because all, 
all the the brick and concrete is dark and tarnished. It looks like uh, cabinet of Dr. Caligari kind of like burned, you know, mm-hmm. it's really, really effective to me. I was like, okay, I get what they're going for here and I like it. Yeah. I dug it too. So we kind of have these shots gliding over the city, uh, coming, landing into Manhattan. And we kind of finally land in the office of a therapist, Dr. Glazer played by Elizabeth Ashley. And her patient is Peter Lowe. He's played by Nicholas Cage. And old Peter is talking about his problems with women, and we get the feeling that this is an old song that Dr. Glazer could hum in her sleep. Yeah. Her her apartment is way, <laughs> or her office is way up there. Nice view of Central Park. You know, you're looking right down Main Avenues of Manhattan, and uh, he's doing a voice. I wrote, I just wrote, oh, he, boy. he's doing a voice. Oh, yeah. I, I, I can't even do it without, <laughs> it's so bizarre because it's. Hello, doctor. Doctor, Yeah, sometimes he's in that really, like, yeah, that kind of nasally sort of um, Peggy Sue got married voice, but as an affected British way. But then other times he's just like, there's no accent at all. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I loved it. I was here for it. There's a lot of camera work on the zoom ins and zoom outs. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. a lot of like getting the whole shot, zooming in, and then in the same scene, we're pulling back out again. Yeah, so we cut to this hopping club. Yeah, Oof. they are partying like there's no tomorrow. Peter is hitting. He was already talking about a woman who he had sex with, and then he didn't want her around. He's already hitting on another woman. This is Jackie. She's played by Casey Lemons, who had a nice little career uh, acting career. These kind of roles, kind of small roles in the in oh. the nineties, but went on to become a director. She made Eve's Bayou. Oh, good for and, her. And uh, most recently directed I Want to Dance with Somebody, which was the Whitney Houston biopic. So Casey Lemons has had now a, a nice, successful career as a director. But they stumble out of the club, uh, and she gets nude in this movie, too. Yeah. So, hey, something for everyone. <laughs> they stumble out of... <laughs> Hold on. I do, do you... We were uh, 12, 13 when this movie came out. Do you remember this movie always on HBO late? I, I've never actually seen any scenes from this movie. Oh, no, I, I just remember it being like this thing that on those shows where they talked about like movies that were coming out, like on HBO yeah. and stuff like that, or um, some of those some of those channels that just showed movie previews. I remember them talking about this all the time because it was like Nicholas Cage eats a fucking cockroach. It's crazy. See, I was more in the just a twelve year old, thirteen year old boy looking to see boobs on oh, you sure. know, well, Saturday night. Um, but this movie would always come on and I could never make it through waiting for the boobs part. Right. <laughs> should just, watch just the beginning and I would have been good. Right. Uh, mm, you missed out. You missed out. So yeah, they, they kind of, they stumble out of the club. They're drunk. They're laughing. They're being really insane. They're trying to remember the names of the fantastic four. His accent is just wild all over the place. They're playing drunk. Uh, oh, they're going 100. big. Going real big. And so there's they, a shot that's like kind of like through the window, like it's a voyeur shot up above. It kind of gives a scope of his nice ass apartment. But it's yeah. also if I don't know if this makes sense, but it's also kind of got voyeur music going on. Mm-hmm. It's like we're creeping in on them. There's yeah, something imp- and impending. When they come to the apartment, they're being creeped on by a little kid who's that's like on right. the stairwell above them who's always sort of watching. Which is uh, a shot we go back to a lot. We go back several times in this opening here. Uh, and then nothing. <laughs> so whatever. Well, that POV shot from above on that stairwell, uh-huh. like they shot that a lot. I was always wondering, is that that kid still up there? Yeah. Just watching right, everything? Right. 
So they go to his apartment, and just as they're getting intimate, a bat swoops (laughs) through the window and into the apartment, and Nicholas Cage yells, Shoo! Shoo! It's amazing. She runs out. She's like laughing hysterically. Naked in the hallway. Naked. Uh, There's a bat's eye view shot. As the, as Nicholas Cage like fights fights the bat, and then they both run out of the apartment. The two million was not spent on the bat effects. Not on the bat. This is no. Ed Wood. The bat's eye view was pretty pretty fucking chintzy. But they they now both run out of the apartment together, and as he's running down the stairs, he goes, ah, ha, ha. Oh. and then runs a little bit more. Then goes, ah, ha, ha. it's like he does a fake laugh. His laughs in this movie are only rivaled by the time when he cries at the end. <laughs> it's really good all right so now we go into the office he he works for some sort of a publishing yeah or a literary agency or something like that he's in foreign distribution and i kind of loved this even though the, it's jarring to see nick cage sitting there studying paperwork at a desk mm-hmm. and like mm, numbers you know like it's kind of jarring he's never that he's never no. that in the movie <laughs> but i kind of love this kind of the yuppie because this guy obviously was the son of somebody. Mm-hmm. He's born rich. He came to New York. You know, there's no way this guy does anything. He's just there to berate somebody or right. kiss ass on the phone. And that's it. Yeah. It's a Absolutely. total like privileged yuppie job. This is brutal. So this is where we meet Maria Conchita Alonso as oh boy, so like fucking this is Alva. Poor Renfield? Alva, the secretary. Is she, would you call her Renfield? She just is there <laughs> for she's just there for abuse and oh, and boy. being a slave. Yeah. Cosette from fucking Les Miserables is like, uh, you got it rough, Alva. Good God. So here's where it all starts. The file. There's a missing file from the Der Spiegel account. Where's the file? I've looked for the file. Find the file. It's amazing. Right. This is the MacGuffin for this movie. This is like the <laughs> thing hinges on this. The thing that just keeps coming through this movie. So find the file. All right. So we'll come back to this. So uh, Peter now goes to see Dr. Glazer. Again, this is his therapist. And he says he was aroused by the bat. And he's kind of surprised that he was aroused by the bat. So now we now go to this hip yuppie restaurant where in the same shot, young David Hyde Pierce and young John Michael Higgins both get a line in this in this shot in the bar. Did I you, didn't did see David Hyde, David Hyde Pierce. It's the same shot where you see John Michael Higgins, but when it, as it kind of pans over the bar, I was like, oh, wow, that really looks like David Hyde Pierce. <laughs> uh, but with like a full beard and stuff, you know. So, um, yeah, it was pretty funny. They Both of these three named character actors right. get, a, get, get a line in this uh, one shot in Vampire's Kiss. And what, David Hyde Pierce is f- five years away from Fraser? Yeah. From being a right. ha- household name at this point? Right? For, yeah, it's <laughs> hilarious. All right, so this is where we meet Jennifer Beals' character. I told you this movie was Babe Soup. God, Maria Cantuto Alonso yeah. and Jennifer Beals. Forget about it. New York. So he meets Jennifer Beals as Rachel and whammo, blammo, they go right to bed. This is not right just Jennifer Beals. This is Jennifer Beals and hair extensions. Like she oh, looks fucking good, man. And a lot of black lace yes. uh, going on in there and leather. A lot of pasties? A lot of pasties? Oh, Have you did you notice that? Pasties, yeah. So there's a long protracted So what happens is he meets her at a bar. They're hot and heavy immediately. Mm-hmm. Goes back to his apartment. They're making on the bed. She's topless. Um, 
but f- shot from behind. So you don't mm. see her chest. When she goes to the side, you can see she has pasties. She's wearing on. something there. Yeah, okay. right? <laughs> and they don't make any pain to like, or they didn't redo that shot. They actually bring yeah. that shot back later. No, that's Beerman for you. Man. But what's the surprise about this woman, Dan? What's the surprise? Well, she might be what you call a vampire. Mm. Yeah, she goes right for the neck. She's one of those. Music crescendos. Dun, 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 dun. Peter is terrified at first. She is just digging in and just like going, just just really rooting in there with her fangs. And he's terrified at first, but eventually he starts to get in and it becomes like orgasmic. Yes. And finally at the end she says, it's all right. You chose me. Right. All right. Wow. So there's our inciting incident. I, I still, I still think the file was the inciting. <laughs> the, the lost file. No, the file, like you said, is the MacGuffin. The, the lost file like, from 1952 was the long con. The files just kind of pulling us through the story. For <laughs> no you know, that really is a MacGuffin. So um, the next morning, this is a series of just very strange things that happen. Very strange shots. He's like talking to her and offering her coffee. Uh, but we don't see her. We see it kind nope. of from her point of view. And then, like, he comes into bed and reaches out for the coffee, and she's not there, and his hand just starts shaking. Yes. End of, end of scene. So, like, what? She was there. She wasn't there. Hard to say. Um, now he's back with Jackie. This is Casey Lemons. I got to um, say, you don't don't go on a museum date. Don't mm-hmm. do the day date with the one-night stand. It just doesn't work. It's like no, the one-night no. stand was the one-night stand. You know, yeah. maybe you can revisit that again, but not the next day or two days later museum date. No, you're not lunch friends now. No, exactly. That's, what are you doing? That's that's uh, that's amateur hour. And he does what uh, we all have done. He says, <laughs> "Go to an art gallery and then fucking bail." <laughs> I got to take a piss. I got to take a piss. I'm leaving. So yeah, he just abandons her in this art gallery. But I, again, what I love, like. The art gallery, like, they didn't go to see Impressionist art. This is, like, the bleakest, ugliest yes. fucking art Good. you've ever seen. It's just, like, black smudges yes. on a canvas. And that's all it is. It's just, like, it's it's very, like, off-putting. Uh, and it's just, like, that's, like, the feel of this movie. And it's, like, yeah, you know, it, it really is off-putting, which I think for a lot of people is going to make it kind of a difficult movie to see. Yeah. But you know what? You can't say that they didn't make the fucking movie that they set out to make, man. Like, they wanted ugly. Yeah, they got ugly. <laughs> I also love that they got the shot of him leaving the exit to get in the cab and drive off. It's like, did you need that? Like, sit, following him going out the exit and then her going like this, like, where'd he go? That, uh-huh. that tells uh-huh. us what you need to know. Yeah, right. So she leaves him this angry phone message, at which point he says, inexplicably in a southern drawl, yeah, well, fuck you too, sister. You put way too much life into that. It's, (laughs) yeah, well, fuck you too, sister. It's like Truman Capote on Thorazine. So we go back to Dr. Glazer's, and but you notice he's no longer, I mean, when, when we first meet him, he was like laying down on the couch, like Alvy fucking singer, you know what I mean? Oh, that's right. Yeah, full he's suit. He's not laying, laying on the down couch. anymore. Nope. He's he's talking, but, and he's also being very evasive. She wants to talk about the bat Yep. and his arousal, but he he's says, pretending no, not he to remember just, it. No, I was, oh, oh, that, yeah, no, I was just drunk. I wouldn't uh, horny, <laughs> goes, is what she said. I was drunk and I was horny. So, yeah. 
horny and drunk. <laughs> he also, this is the start where he starts having this big Band-Aid on his neck for like the next right. hour of the movie because Jennifer Beals keeps feeding on him. Yeah. And I, I loved this part that the doctor opens with like, oh, did you? Did you hurt yourself? And he's like, yeah, I cut myself shaving. So this man who's bit, a bit weird is going to this therapist. <laughs> so he admits to a self-inflected wound on his neck. Right. And she's just like, oh, okay, great. We'll just breeze on past that. Right. <laughs> no red flag there. All right. Back we go to the office where we're just acting out scenes from In the Company of Men. It's so fucking brutal. He's making these like crazy faces he's tapping his finger he ca- he calls her in still doesn't have the file right. still no file so nope. he berates her again and he's like i'm gonna make you listen to this call while i have to tap dance around this son important of a stuff who is desperate business. for this file and like she he calls and this is like one of the funniest scenes of the movie he calls and the client is like hey you know what that's not a big rush you know like i know you're busy yeah like you know, we're moving offices. You take your time. Take on your that. time, pal. Hey, Palerino. How are you doing? How's your family? <laughs> like he's just like the coolest fucking dude. And like, hang up the phone, and it's as though like he just got reamed the fuck. Yeah, out. that's his, that's how uh, how Peter acts. He's undeterred. He's just like, you need to give me the file. Nothing's changed. Get me the file, and then finally punctuated with, "Am I getting through to you, Alva?" With an Elvis point. Yeah. It's With an Elvis point. It's wild, man. The scenes in the office between him and Maria Cachita Alonso, that's where that, the, it's the scene that that's scenes that movie. launched a thousand gifts. Oh, like, that's okay. to put a Nicolas Cage point, that <laughs> comes from this. And it's just so such a weird way to cap this scene really? of him dumping on Maria Cachita Alonso again. And then just ends with this like very theatrical flourish, you know? Yeah. But again, this is like this is this Cage. is choice. This is like I'm 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 heading this way, and then I'm just gonna suddenly just like take off like in the yeah. complete other direction, and I, there's no there's no thought of like what you know how does this actually like fit into the themes of this movie and like my character's journey or anything like it's just like it's theater it's pure pure theater like it's very like it's very old school in a way like it's method acting but it's also like a pre method like 18th century pre method yes. kind of an acting you know but what it, I mean? it, like it's I really think it's one of the things that we talked about in the intro episode of the cage match stuff is that this is just probably yeah. him like to get attention in a family of artists. He probably had to do shit like this just to be heard or seen. Yeah. Right. Cause oh, this is more oh, about, right. I, I really no. feel like that's about more about being seen yeah. memorably than being heard memorably or, or de- delivering the line. Being like a young kid in this family of like geniuses and yep. entertainers and professors and composers and shit like that. And you're just like, how the fuck do I stand out? I'm going to be the craziest fucking dude <laughs> in the I'm, I'm me up to a thousand. Right. Absolutely. All right. So then he freaks out at a diner. Fucking grease hole. Is that what he said? I couldn't tell what he said. That's what he says, yeah, but I I think I got the inflection wrong. You can't predict the inflection. Mm -mm. I mean, I think he just spun a fucking wheel and was like, what volume? What accent? I don't fuck. Yeah, go for it. All right, so now he runs out of this fucking grease hole and kind of runs to this. I mean, I guess it's like a flop house that he runs into, but outside there are more mime dancers oh, yeah. doing a domestic violence dance routine outside of the flop house. Yeah. P- 
Peter ducks in to make a call. So first he calls Dr. Glazer. She doesn't answer. So then he calls Jackie the, again. The girl he dumped Jack- on the date. Yeah. His other punching bag. Smooth talks her into a date. Like, hey, I got I'm going to apologize. <laughs> that Let's night. Let's do in this. a couple yeah, hours. That night. Like right now. Let's go. Let's hit it. Comes back out. She And she agrees. She's like, yeah. okay, but you better you better be good to me. Comes back out. The mimes are still there. Like... And I, I, I imagine that they were one of the gangs from the Warriors that just didn't get featured in the Warriors. The mime dance assault gang. Like, they will dance fuck you up, man. Silently, which is even more terrifying. Right? Oh, boy. Yeah. God damn. But it's New York, so he just walk, walks right by. It's so like, just, that's, well, yeah, that's normal. I mean, that's the thing. Is no matter, like, the, that's kind of like a running joke here, too, is that like no matter what Nicolas Cage does, no matter how crazy he oh, gets, yeah. like, no one bats an eye. Right. You know what I mean? Because he's a rich fucking white dude, and, and, and it's New York. They do that shit so where they're like just... He has the privilege of being rich and white, but then he also has the, it's New York, and yeah. everyone's fucking fucking a lunatic like, you're, you're I, not the you weirdest know. thing they've seen that morning no that's like there's a ta- the scene where he goes to the taxi driver and like freaks out on the taxi driver and the taxi driver's like oh, jesus christ but it's like that probably wasn't like the craziest fucking fairy you had that day you know what i mean like he's seen so much worse all right where are we here um <laughs> so he gets ready for his date uh, with jackie but there's a knock on the door and there's this like really long Build up the eerie music in this movie is really kind of laid on thick. Yeah, and yeah, it's really overall. Try- as I said in the beginning, Robert Bierman's fine. He does a fine job. Sure, but this really lacks like a director with vision. You just think like, boy, he got so lucky with fucking Martin Scorsese yeah. decided to direct his script. If, if Scorsese makes this movie, wow, you might really have something here. Robert Bierman, you got kind of a low, low ceiling. Um, but yeah, so and one of the things that a, a kind of er, Young director and then a not very not very experienced director does is just lay the music on way too thick. You know what I mean? Like you got to be a little, a little choosy with it. So there's this really long build up. No one's there at the door. He's still freaking out, but he goes downstairs. <laughs> he's not to handling leave for it his well. date. No, he's not doing well. And who creeps up on him? But Rachel. Jennifer Rachel's Beals. right there. Uh, yeah, Jennifer Beals, and she's just she's got him by the balls. You know, she says he's realizing she is a jealous mistress, and she leads him back upstairs. And his mouth is agape this entire. It's so mm. fucking funny the choices he hilarious. made, even yeah. when he's dead silent and perfectly mm-hmm. not being manic, just choosing to walk with your mouth ooh <laughs> slack jawed like a zombie is fucking amazing. It really is. Uh, so he's. They kind of cut back and forth from this, and her she uh, Rachel goes in for more blood sucking while Jackie is back at the bar. She's been stood up. She's writing this note on a napkin. Back to the office. Every time I go back to the office, I get a little like, oh boy. I mean, because I just I can't. I mean, it's funny that like gore. I have a real problem with like gore, but like some for somehow like emotional torture is just, mm-hmm. I just love it so much. I can't, I, yeah, in a movie, in a movie, not in real life. No, I get you. Yeah, it's fine. I'm not saying, yeah, but those people who love torture porn don't love real torture, do they? You know what I'm saying? So he's in the office and he starts screaming for Alva, but he starts in a way as though he has just learned uh, what words are. Like he just and, woke up. And how to form. Like, like he just woke up, so he starts as like, uh... Oh, uh, Alva, 
finally he's just screaming her name. She's at her desk like, what the fuck? Like, I'm not going to answer. I love the shot of all her coworkers looking at her like, are you going to... What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Right? That, that's the other thing. Nobody sticks up for her. She goes through no, some horrible shit with this guy. Totally powerless. Nobody totally sticks powerless. up with her. So in this scene, he screams for her. She doesn't come. Finally, he runs out of his office, jumps on a table in front of her, and yells, there you are. <laughs> she runs out of the room. He chases her into the ladies' room. Finally, in the middle of this, seems to kind of come to his senses to some point, apologizes and leaves. But in the next scene, he's sitting with all the male executives yeah. and they're all just having a good laugh. Like, man, you are acting really crazy. That's hilarious. And the boss actually says, she asked me for a raise for getting chased into the ladies room. From the scene of him chasing her into the ladies room menacingly and, and another lady storms out. She says, I have a gun. He is chagrined, saddened, realizes what he's becoming, slinks out of there, cut, smash cut, boardroom belly laughs. They are just right. loving this story. That And he cages, all he and does is right he just laughs. And yeah. that cage laugh. Oh, boy. I don't know how many takes they did or how many other actors are like, are you, are you going to do that the entire time? Okay. So back home, the note from Jackie is pinned to his mailbox, and it says, stay out of my life, at which point he freaks the fuck out again for like the 57th time, I think. The movie does, though, stay the fuck out of her life because we don't see her again. No, she's done. She's done. And yeah. good for her. She's, good for her. Yes. I mean, she survives, right? You know. So he, meanwhile, freaks the fuck out. He rips up this note, and he goes Full Charles Foster Kane on his apartment. Yeah. He just oh. like tears it the This fuck was dangerous. Up. He's breaking real glass. Really? No, this looked really, really da- I mean, a lot of the things he does in this movie looked very, very dangerous. And I hope that was the last thing they filmed there because how how do you get that set, <laughs> right? set like, up okay, again? That's a wrap on uh, vampires because so we cut back to with like Alva, who is on the subway. She's like riding the sub. You know, of course, he lives in Manhattan. She's riding the subway to Pelham. Back to Pelham, taking a Pelham one, two, three, with her gun in her bag. She's got Alva her gun got in the bag. A gun. She still gives some change to um, yes. a man singing on the subway after so rubbing her like, cross. She's a decent <laughs> person up in here, but she lives in a very dangerous world. Well, meanwhile, he is back at his apartment screaming. What is happening to me? Go to Dr. Glazer and guess what he does? Freaks the fuck out on her. This is the alphabet freak out. Yes. Man. There is a moment where he puts his hands on his hips, hands to the side, and then back to his hips again in the most cage way. It's no other human being moves like this. After having this fit about the alphabet, he puts his hand on his hips when she suggests that this missing, because he's still upset about the missing file. He's talking to a psychiatrist now about the missing file. He is blaming her for not being able to tell him who misfiled it. Yes. He he puts his hand on his hips and yells, I never misfiled anything. Like a very petulant little child. He demands that she tell him who misfiled it. It's missing file. She oh, rightly boy. points out she would have no way to tell him who misfiled it. And he's like, then you're not a very good therapist or psychiatrist, are you? 
Next day, he walks into the office. He's wearing sunglasses. You know, he's becoming increasingly smoking. sensitive. He's smoking a cigarette. He was like walking by people's desks. He picks up a little duck, looks at it, and then throws it in the trash. And the, one of the secretaries says, he is so eccentric. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like his behavior Excusable because... Excused, mm-hmm. It's fine. He's the boss. He's eccentric. That's what it is. He's eccentric, not... He's a drooling psychopath. Only Alva, who is the outsider to this world, yeah. sees him for it's what he like, is. How is this happening? So Peter wants Alva to stay late after every day working on finding the missing file. Find the missing file. Find the file. He wants her to stay late. She's like, I can't. My eyes are killing me. I don't even know. Like I'm just looking through files. And he goes through this whole thing. And this is like the shot of like the kind of the shot of the, the cover that you see, yeah. which is crazy eyes cage, yeah. big eyes cage, bigger and then bigger and then bigger. As he tells her, she's the lowest on the pole. He knows it's a horrible job, and he's basically torturing her by making her do this. And he would never like have anybody else help her because it's such a wretched job, and she's the most wretched one. I mean, it's just like it's very savage stuff. This scene, though, is the one that where I really pinpointed, like, this is where it goes from, oh, fuck, this is good. I'm into this. Oh, God, he's going way too far. And mm. maybe it's part of the filmmaker, too, because there's the push in as he's doing the eyes wide thing and he, and he holds it and he builds it really well, convincingly. But there's these cutbacks, you know, to Alva and then back to him. And it's closer each time. His head is back a little bit. His eyes are bigger. And I get it. It's indelible. It's what they use for the marketing. It's a GIF. It's that kind of stuff. But it's like if he could have held the one moment instead mm. of just going full bore. But maybe that's what he was going for. He was going full bore. So he's he's heading back home. He's got his groceries, and he sees a neon cross. <laughs> he's hugging his groceries. Falls on, falls on the ground, runs off. He's, he's tortured. Rachel says, I'm the only one. Yeah. Who could put you out of your misery? So this is like, I read a little bit of something on the Wikipedia page about, um, Joseph, I think it's Joseph Minion, the writer of this film, and how he was, you know, kind of in a relationship that was in a very difficult place. Sure. And he was making it very, and I think she was like a producing partner on this movie too. That was like, he was making it very explicit, like, hey, here's a woman. Yeah. And she's literally sucking the fucking life out of me and making me into a deranged psychopath. Like, and it, it was just like, okay, that's yeah. where it's a little bit like, uh, yeah, you're kind of fucked up. But like, the movie doesn't actually go no. in such an obvious. She way, just comes out of nowhere, and, out. and she explicitly is like, "You chose me." Um, I did find this scene compelling, though, it was, and it was kind of gave her a little justification of it's not just the. Um, physical that she's doing to him it's the mental and that kind of stuff torturing him and that oh right they sit there and i really and i know we point out all the time movies that hearken better movies right and they mm. show you a little clip of a better movie now right. i will honestly say i i thought this i can't judge if this movie did that because i've never actually seen nosferatu so i don't know if that's the better movie than vampire's kiss i can't say that Oh, absolutely it, it is. Yeah, no, okay. I mean, yeah, it's it's it, a it's a classic. It's an old yeah. Okay, it's hey, it's Nosferatu. It's yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah, so yeah, Murnau's silent. Um, Nosferatu comes on TV, but yeah, like as you said, she it's not just the physical. She forces him to say, "I love you." Yes, and it's like that kind of like dragging that out of him, and I think that's maybe where it comes to like the real life, like yeah, 
what was going on with Joseph Minion was like, not just, uh, she's literally sucking my blood, but she's forcing me to say and do these things that I'm not ready to say and do. She's a vampire. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> it's you, a pretty misogynist movie. <laughs> oh, mean, absolutely. But this it. is also what he has said he's wanted a couple times to the therapist. There's a shot mm. of him looking longingly at a couple by a hot dog cart. Yes. So, he wants like, love. But love with a capital L. It comes with this price, right? Uh, yeah. And then also... The, the reason I brought up the Nosferatu thing was it really started to make sense, especially towards the end of the movie, of I think what he was trying to channel in his a lot of his mannerisms mm-hmm. and his physicality, especially when he gets that tight hunched shoulders. He, he gets like the mm-hmm. the James Caan shoulders where it's like <laughs> it's just shoulder and neck. <clears throat> you know what I mean? He walks yeah. like that sometimes when he's having when he's because he swings in between whatever normal was for Peter Lowe and then yeah. this vampire influenced Peter Lowe. Well, and then that like hunched shoulder walk that he has when he's in the club is actually very reminiscent of the, what the Max Schreck does yes. in, in Murnau's Nosferatu. Yeah. So he does, is kind of emulating that in a sense as well. Um, so the next morning there's like this, so we're starting to get like these real like signifiers of vampire, right? So there's like implied invisibility. Like he lets her into the shower, we don't see her. He recoils from a mirror, so we, we can he can see himself. He's shutting and every then, blind. Yes, and then the cockroach. He looks on a stove. There's mm-hmm. a cockroach. He gathers it up, and in one fell swoop, and it's really. They make sure that you see this is a wriggling cockroach. This yeah. is not a high budget movie, nope. right? Okay, like. These look way more realistic than that shit in that fucking, what was that Tom Selleck movie that we did? That's the robot bugs. Oh, <laughs> Runaway? Run, run yeah. away. No, no, this is not Joe's apartment this, cockroaches. This is a real cockroach. So they, they let you linger on it, and the cage goes right into the mouth. Choo, 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 and then turns. I mean, it's just, holy fuck. Yeah. I mean, he ate a damn cockroach. It's Bear so. grill shit. The, oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. There you go. And then we're just moving on. Like, it's not even like a thing. Like, that's what's so funny about it. It's yeah. not like anyone calls us out or anyone. Wherever has seen they it. were just... filming, they saw a cockroach and Nick Cage was like, get this on film. Let's do this. Yeah. So next morning at the office, Alva has called in sick with a bad cold. And I like So the... what, is, <laughs> what does he do? He pulls his file or pulls her file. Yes. Goes right to her house. And she's laying Sorry. on bed. Uh, her mom is like, "Like, no, you can't call out sick. Yeah, you, you need the money." And she's laying on her bed, and it really like the way she's laying on her bed with the big crucifix above her, and her nightgown looks like Regan from Exorcist. Oh, right. Yeah, good call. So he he shows up. She's ironing, wearing just her bra. Yeah. Um, oh. and he knocks on the window. She 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 is terrified. Says he came to apologize and offers her soup. Look, soup. A packet of soup. It's got a packet of soup. And this is enough to coax her into the cab. Alva's got a few issues. They bonded over mescaline usage a little bit. Uh, right, Al- yeah. Oh, we both used mescaline in high school. There's so a little chill. unsaid about Alva. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So they're in the cab. They're heading back to Manhattan. He seems to have turned over her leaf. He's apologized. He's offered her soup. He's brought her back to work. They've mended their fences. And he promptly freaks out about the missing file. The missing file. The, oh my god! Remember yeah, that this is like, not an issue. The missing. The no. guy could not care the shit less about the missing file. We've got no calls about the missing file since he said, "Don't worry about the missing file." <laughs> like nothing. Is, there's nothing. There's no urgency for the missing file. But he just like loses her shit about the missing file, and then suddenly gets sick. 
This is the thing that keeps happening now, is that he'll freak out, and then he'll get sick. He'll yeah. get very, very sick. And while he's sick, he yells, shut up, bitch. Oh, yeah. So he- she's like, okay, hang on. Wow. They go. They drive by a gas station, and she's like, I need to go see my brother. He works at this gas station, which is crazy that they just drove right by the gas I know. station. I know, because I was like, okay, she's lying to get out. It's like, nope, <laughs> she actually talks to her really brother in, okay. the, in the mechanic shop. So she goes to him and she asks for bullets. She's like, give me bullets for my gun. I have a gun, but I don't have any bullets in my gun. So he's like, I don't actually have bullets. I have blanks. So he gives her blanks. And the blanks will just scare them off. So they're back in the office and Peter immediately sidles up behind her, puts his hand on her shoulder and basically says, you better make it worth to me. I paid $50 to get you to come back to work. I own you. Make it work to me. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And his hand, Cage has these huge fingers. Yeah. It looks, it looked, that's where I was like, oh shit, it is Nosferatu. Like Uh long fingers over her shoulder. Menacingly, but encouragingly. Yeah. So he goes to the bathroom and he freaks out. Ding, ding, ding. Because he can't see himself in the mirror. We can see him in the mirror. Yes. And he's yelling, oh, God, where am I? He's freaking out. The boss overhears this. He, he's just like, let me crap in peace. I don't care that you can't see. It's like, again, his psychotic behavior is like no one like even like bats an eye. No. That he is in the bathroom freaking out. The boss is just like, let me take a shit with some peace and fucking quiet. I just want to shit. Get, Get back out of to here. berating your assistant. <laughs> right? <laughs> and this is, I think, where it, it really kind of... You know, you you might have had like a, a you know a sense of it, but this is where I think we start to wonder: Is this happening more in his head? Is this really happening? Is he really a vampire? You know, because they're starting to be like he's freaking out, but we actually do see his reflection. Can he just not see his reflection? This is where we're kind of asking some questions here. I think he goes into his office. Uh, he freaks out, so he goes into his office. Um, his uh, secretary is like, "Hey." You know, the you got a call here, and he just says, you know, tell him I'm in a meeting. You know, tell everyone I'm in a meeting. And he has this great line reading where he's like, tell him I'm in a meeting. So like, it just goes for it. So then he, like, huddles in a corner of his office. He shuts the blinds, and he hides in his office. And what's going on outside his office? Poor, poor Alva is working <laughs> all night. She's like... Getting bumped by the custodian with the with the vacuum cleaner, yeah. you know, like the 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 janitors are there, um, but she's still working, still, and and Peter's in his office getting his blood sucked by Rachel, you know, what I mean? like the, she makes the, office uh, calls. Yeah, she's 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 uh, it's very convenient. Alva finally finally finds the file. Um, Peter's in his office getting his blood sucked. Um, Rachel takes off. He starts hallucinating. He sees the cab driver again. And the cab driver's wife. Yeah. And he finally, he opens the door and he just says, it's too late, Alva. Too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. And again, chases her. Yeah. Through the building again. That's like, this has already happened. And everyone said it was fine. Her so mom made her go back to this job. Yeah, right? It's just, it's brutal. So he chases her down the stairs. She finally gets to this point. She pulls the gun out of her bag and he begs her, begs her to shoot him. And she's like, you know, they're blank. So he just keeps shooting into the ground, shooting in the ground. Why won't you shoot me? Why won't you shoot me? She shoots into the ground. He tells her, he's, you're fired. And impl- it's implied that he rapes her. 
Right. Yeah. Uh, no. And he basically confirms that later on. Yes. So he rapes her. As this is happening, she turns into Rachel. She seems to not resist, but then she turns into Rachel, and Rachel says, you're with me now. Yeah. So at this point, he grabs the gun. He puts it in his mouth. He starts firing, and, of course, nothing happens. Fucking Nick Cage, man, shooting a gun with blanks loaded. Like, it had already killed John Michael Hexum at that time. Yeah. He knows uh, the the dangers of this kind of stuff. Grew up around movies. It's pretty crazy. I couldn't do it. So nothing happens, of course, because they're blanks. As it turns, you know, as it turns out, and this is, I think, what it is: is that like this whole question of like, is he a real vampire or is this all just a madness? This is something that to him confirms he's a real vampire. He can't be shot. Real bullets can't be killed just by robot. But of course, they're actually blanks. That's not he doesn't make sense. Um, So he's in his head. He thinks, "Oh my God, I can't die. I've done all these horrible things." I, I'm completely lost. I have no future. I, I, I have no, everything's over. And here's how he, re- how he responds to this situation. <clears throat> Boo-hoo. Boo-hoo. He says boo-hoo. Boo-hoo. Like boo-hoo. I, I was wondering. He doesn't the, cry. He yells boo-hoo. Did the script say boo-hoo or was boo-hoo. Nick Cage being like, I'm going to boo-hoo this. Boo-hoo. Boo-hoo. Knocking futz. He just yells boo-hoo. And at this point, I mean, we're really going. We're going. We've, we're off the cliff. We're still running. We haven't looked down and noticed that the cliff isn't under us anymore. Like Cage mm. is just fucking going for it at this point. He runs out of the building, runs down the street, screaming, "I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire!" It, like it is just freak out central right now. Like, yeah. Okay. So he goes back to his apartment, and a lot of the stuff that he's doing on the street is is like hidden camera. It feels uh, like, like it. he was he was actually out there. Yeah. Doing some of the stuff and really freaking people the fuck out. It's like he's running around with like blood on his mouth, like telling people to kill him. Um, I did laugh real. There's this quick shot to Jennifer Beals arriving at his apartment, and he's now laying under his couch like it's a coffin. I was like, that's kind of clever. I like that's that. That's so good, right? He's, he's like holed up in his couch, but he is like his uh, in his apartment, but he's sleeping under the couch. She comes in and he says, I'm hungry. And she says, you know what to do. Now, Alva is also kind of like traumatized in bed, but she has a real reason. Yes. For it, right? Yes. Yeah. She just got raped her uh, by boss her boss. just raped her. Um, but he's at home going with withdraw- withdrawal and he bites his pillow. Now, when I say he bites his pillow, you think, oh, he just kind of puts his mouth around his pillow. No, 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 no. He bites into this pillow like fucking, like Dagwood bites into a sandwich. Yeah. Okay. Like he unhinges his jaw for this pillow. Jerry Tarkanian I didn't... biting towels <laughs> is like, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? That's that's going in your mouth. That's... <laughs> It is, it, I mean, it's just one, I mean, and like, that's like not even top 10 crazy shit, but like really think about like how he devours that towel. towel. I mean, yeah. it's just crazy. Yeah. So, all right. So <laughs> the craziness is all done, right? Ain't wrong. He goes to buy vampire fangs. You know. And the guy is like, hey, this is some real nice vampire fangs. Look at the craftsmanship on these vampire fangs. He pulls out his wallet. He has like no money. <laughs> it's like, no, he's like, all right, I got some plastic cheapies for you. So he gets plastic vampire fangs. We really have a fang haggling scene. <laughs> the fangs. 
So he like rips into the bag. He puts them on and he just starts crawling down the street. I mean, he is just going wild at this point. His face, his voice, his wide eyes. It's amazing stuff. He is he just has this like zombified thing. He can barely like talk because he has the fangs in his mouth. And he finds a payphone and he calls Dr. Glazer. Sets up an appointment. He needs a, a sooner appointment. She's like, oh, I, got, I got Tuesday at 5.30. Make it sooner. Tuesday at 2.30. Sooner. She's in her apartment and she's got her own glazer. Oh, uh, boy. Yeah. She's little, got a boy toy. Little boy toy. Little 20-year-old boy toy. Elizabeth Come back Ashton to bed, baby. Toy. Yeah. So he makes a, an appointment for Monday morning. He... Go. There's a scene where he's chasing pigeons in the park, and he actually ch- catches one. Yeah. This to me is more gross than eating a cockroach, is holding a pigeon. <laughs> I mean, that's disgusting. And he sticks it under his jacket. We go back to his apartment, and there's like feathers like strewn around. Burp his sounds, and then feathers. <laughs> he wakes, he goes under his, his couch, coffin. Yeah. Wakes after sunset. Fangs are still in the mouth. Yes. He right. goes to this yuppie club and just like smashes his way in, now, pushes to the front of a line, punches the bouncer. Imagine it's the nineteen it's nineteen eighty eight <laughs> in a Manhattan disco <laughs> packed and you are obviously the weirdest looking dude in there, the freakiest right. thing. Like you gotta really be setting yourself apart. But oh, he really? cuts through that crowd. It's like Moses in the Red Sea, man. Oh boy. No, and again, no one no one's like, hey, what 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 are you What's doing? Like up? everyone is just in this like state of like again party like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. When there's a party in this movie, it is a it's an apocalypse kind of a party. It's like Gatsby looks at that party and is like, "Whoa, what are you doing?" <laughs> this club, I think, it was Club Boobs because there are so <laughs> many lingering shots on boobs in this. The director was like, really like, uh, my movies aren't TNA; they're TNT. It's like Russ Meyer was definitely inspiring this man well what's really happening is he's he comes down he has these crazy wide eyes he's doing the nosferatu walk he's got the fangs his eyes are just crazy but he's like checking out necks he's Mm -hmm. like as we go around the the, like he's just like all these close-ups on like oh check out her neck whoa look at that neck action yeah oh oh, her clavicle is showing like you know he's really into necks you know because he's a vampire so he finally finds this woman who is just snorting just coke genteely sni- snorting coke up up the stairs alone by herself yeah she's in the vip room there's no champagne in the coke room <laughs> so he he kind of sidles up to her and she's like amused by this all his elaborate movements he has these like these fancy hand gestures nick cage is a big hand, uh, hand gesture he talks with hands let's Definitely. let's Keep keep an eye on the hands as we go into this uh, this series. So he sits down, and at first she's into it, but then she like slaps him, and he just goes for it. He bites her neck with his plastic fangs yeah. until she dies. Right, she's dead. He pulls away, and she has a big gaping wound on her neck where he's killed her. He slouches away out of the VIP room, and then just vomits. <laughs> I loved. This on the scene. floor because yeah. he vomits on the table of these people sitting in a little booth in the club he vomits and he's like oh i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> and who comes in but rachel because mm-hmm. rachel just like appears you know and she says very anti-social behavior peter 
And he's saying, I can do it. I'm like you. I'm like you. And she says, you disgust me, Peter. And now she's got a new guy. Donald. Yeah, she's got a new young fella, Donald. He freaks out some more. He vomits some more. Uh, This is Peter. And then he goes after Rachel and Donald on the dance floor. He attacks them. Yeah. And he's he's eventually dragged out of the club screaming. He yells, look at her teeth. Look at her teeth. She's a vampire. And he says, you're breaking up with me after I sucked that broad bone dry. <laughs> I and think Rachel and Donald smile at each other in this very bizarre way. But it is pertinent to say that this is the first time we see Jennifer Beals without fangs. Yes, at this absolutely. Point. So and again, it's where playing we're, we're on really, the... Is we really, really do feel like he's he's just a, a psycho. And this is where you really become convinced. He runs out. He's thrown on the ground. He's yelling that he's a vampire. Everyone's laughing at him, like, get out. He's walking down the street. He's just talking to himself. He's just spewing this misogynist babble. And then right. he sees the sun and like, ah, I can't take it. The music goes really big again. He yells, I can't take it anymore. But we're just like, oh, shit, he's just a fucking lunatic, Yeah, right? Like, he's, what the fuck? He's just one of those people walking down the street talking to themselves. Yeah. Um, Alva tells her brother what happened. We don't see her telling it, but it's implied. And they, they kind of go to um, to Peter's apartment. This was the scene where apparently this was a real thing that happened and just a real unsuspecting couple walking by where he's – Looking at like this kind of this these wood planks that are that are resting, and he he pulls one out like a wooden stake, you know, like it he would just happen. I was like, stake. damn, good shot! Pull the first one off. It it's like a perfect stake through yeah. your heart. So he grabs it, and then just there's a couple walking up. He has blood kicked all over his mouth from the murder earlier, and he just yells at them. Well, he, he kind of pleads with them. Actually, he says, I'm a vampire. Kill me. Like he's just completely lost his shit at this point. He sees the sun and he yells, the tortures of the damned. <laughs> One of my favorite lines. So good. <laughs> he's just moaning and wailing. He walks into the street. He almost gets hit by like several cars yeah. in the middle of an intersection, yelling and screaming. Uh, he, he walks past the newspaper stand and we see the headline that there's like, Death in the disco. Yeah. So that part apparently was true. This is like a really kind of fascinating yeah. how this all kind of plays out here at the at the end. This, <laughs> Cage is like walking down the street quite zombie like. You know, he's 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 in the sun, you know, sun's shining now. Or the sun's coming out. He's very Jack Torrance at the end of the shining. Oh yeah. No, he he's just he's eyes are mumbling. floating upwards. He's catatonic kind of and he just walks straight into a building. Yeah. Just boop. Walks into a building. Walks in the right. Looks up and starts talking to Dr. Glazer. Yeah. Just like, hey, Dr. Glazer. And we cut to inside Dr. Glazer's office. And Peter is there. He's holding the wooden stake even. But he's all cleaned up. He yep. sounds very erudite. And we cut back and forth here between like this fantasy of Dr. Glazer's office where he's explaining everything and the outside where he's just a complete fucking lunatic talking to a building. Yeah. Right? Like he's just talking to the side of this building that he just walked into. So we cut back and forth. He gives this whole speech about how love is the answer. Love with a capital L. Not a fairy tale love, but a real love, you know. She laughs at him. Dr. Glazer laughs at him. At first we think like, oh, wow, she really thinks he's an idiot. 
no, she says her next patient is the perfect match for him. It's like the most ridiculous, like unlikely, like happy ending scenario that comes up. Breaking and out comes all this... doctor standards and ethics. Oh, right, right. Like, let me fix up my patients. You know? <laughs> yeah. So in comes Sharon. Yeah. Sharon, her new patient, just like knocks on the door. Oh, come on in, Sharon. And they bond over a shared love of Vivaldi and Wordsworth. Yeah. Which I was like, yeah, right, dude. No. <laughs> You do not like Vivaldi and Wordsworth. You're probably not even into Huey Lewis. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, it's uh, and this woman, Sharon. You do you still not get Seinfeld references? Quickly? I still do. I'm I'm aware that he is a comedian <clears throat> who I think did a book tour. Seinfeld was a, a popular sitcom mm. uh, in the 1990s. Okay. Yes. Um, and this woman. This is the one about the Korean War veterans. <laughs> no, super close. Super close. Seinfeld fans, this is Naomi, the woman with the Elmer Fudd laugh. She was in the uh, Bubble Boy episode. But Corky doesn't know what Seinfeld is, one of the most popular television shows of all time. Let's move it on. Do you, do, uh, but you got to understand, for someone who is Seinfeld ignorant as myself, every conversation about Seinfeld sounds exactly like the one you just said. <laughs> it's a description of somebody. This is the time Jerry took beans to work and Kramer tried to invent uh diapers that would float <laughs> that is correct all right so um yes they they bond over their love of Vivaldi and Wordsworth and what I love is like he's so erudite there and then it cuts to him outside the building and he just goes whoa <laughs> <laughs> you know, very like Tommy and uh cool as ice he's whoa. way yes him and Sharon hit it off great and now we follow him walking home back to his apartment. Yeah. Oddly enough, the relationship does not seem to be going well. Oh, uh, no. He's immediately. now <laughs> screaming at Sharon. Hates Sharon. Hates Sharon. No, it starts as this like fairy tale romance. Like, oh, I love you too. Everything's so perfect. Let's go after our wonderful future. By the time he gets home, he's like, what the fuck, Sharon? Oh, what the fuck? Don't, I don't want to talk about it anymore, Sharon. <laughs> Should mention that Dr. Glazer t- tells him before he leaves the office, you know what? Don't worry about the rape. Don't worry about Oh, the that's rape. right. You guys go off and you have a fun life together. <laughs> like It's like every uh, yuppie's fantasy of, of therapy. Um, so Alva and Emilio that are there. They're outside the apartment when he arrives, ranting and raving and screaming at Sharon. <laughs> telling her to shut Emilio up. still thinks it's a good idea to go after this guy with the yeah, tire. He's like, you know what? Yeah, like I might need a little more firepower than a tire. <laughs> Um, but he goes, uh, uh, Peter goes in the apartment, Emilio follows him. We're in the apartment. Uh, he's screaming at Sharon. Sharon, he already kicks her out. He yells, (laughs) leave me the fuck alone while holding the wooden stake like a penis. Okay. (laughs) Which I thought was a fun choice. Uh, he vomits. Yep. He, he crawls under the couch. The sun's coming in. Uh Oh, Emilio comes into the apartment. He sees Peter on the couch. He uncovers him. Peter immediately holds the wooden stake over his heart. And, and Emilio is like, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, good call. Pushes it down. Ah, and he's dead. Leaving that's fingerprints it. everywhere. Oh, yeah. But that's the end of Peter. Uh, as he dies, we see the shot of Rachel. And she turns to the camera and she says, dream of me, my angel. Dream of me. And that's your movie. That's Vampire's Kiss, Corky. Yeah. Holy crap. Holy crap. We did it. We recorded a new episode of the Dare Daniel podcast called Dare Daniel Colon Cage Match. Cage Match. Vampire's Kiss.
Corky, mm-hmm. any final thoughts on Vampire's Kiss before we banish it to the land of wind and shadows? You're gonna you're gonna think I'm ridiculous for this, but I did not really pick up on how much it was obvious how this was happening in his mind. I really was like, hey, he's turning into a vampire. This is a vampire movie. It's yeah. not a movie about a guy who thinks he's turning into a vampire. No, I mean, I was rolling with it for most of the movie, too. I think it was, like, first on that bathroom scene where I first thought of it, where I was like, what the fuck? Like, how can he not? <laughs> he did... I mean, in my head, I'm thinking, this is a low-budget movie, though. So, you know, they might be trying to get away with some shit here but like, not having special effects <laughs> uh, for the vampire. But then it was like, oh, boy, no. Wow. Holy fuck. Like, he's just, like, he's just a complete fucking lunatic. You know, like... He's just, he's just he's just a real real fucking sicko. So yeah. um yeah, I thought it was actually kind of a fascinating mm-hmm. movie. It's not one that I'm necessarily eager to revisit, but I, I do think there's just some amazing I mean, god damn it. If you're a, if you're one of those people who loves a cage freak out, this is the cage there's I mean, this is this is your white album, you know? I mean, this is it. This is this is the one where it's just it's loaded from beginning to end. This is exactly right. White album is a good one because that's a double album, so there's a lot of information. And there's a, a lot, there's a lot of, of <laughs> like there's a lot of mood. There's a lot of moods. There, it's all over the place, right? Yeah. Like it's just it's uh, it's very twee. It's very heavy. It's very dark. It's very serious. It's very fun. It's very not fun. Yeah. It's damn good call. It's harmonic. So yeah, it's it's a big sprawling weird sort of a performance. But yeah, if you love if you love Cage, this is this is a, a magnum opus for you to catch uh, catch up on, even if. You don't necessarily go for the movie, but I went for the movie too. I still think Deadfall is the bang for your buck cage at his cages, but you got to sit through a you got to sit through a shit movie. It's like, just a miserable movie. Dead, yeah. it's totally dead outside of him. Um, yeah. That's where you watch the supercut. Exactly, bang for your buck. Um, yeah. yeah, okay, good call. Vampire's Kiss. It's uh, it's the White Album. I, I would. I would recommend. It's the White Album. Yeah. It's not the White Album. His performance is the White <laughs> Album. This movie is not even on the Beatles album fucking scale. Okay, It might mm. not even be on the Dave Clark 5 scale. But <laughs> it's a, I think it's a, a movie and a, a performance certainly that's worth your time and a movie that I think is interesting enough to uh, to be worth a watch. I was surprised. I was like, this is not a bad movie. I don't, mm? I don't dislike this movie. I was actually into a lot of that movie. And it is. It's ugly. It's mean. Uh, it's mean spirited. It's it doesn't give you a lot to to explain it anything. But yeah. so what? So what? It was about uh, a take on uh-huh. corporate life in that time. Yeah. On this personality, and then also just a fun study of. I mean, knowing that it came from a guy's bad relationship or what he f- felt was mm-hmm. like a bad relationship. That's kind of like, oh fuck, I don't know how much I like this, but it's pretty intense. Yeah. But I mean, I think like After Hours has that same sense sure. of like um, anxiety about about women in particular, and amongst a character who kind of lives in that same sort of New York corporate art world, kind of a um, or or at least kind of goes through an Alice in Wonderland version of it. Sure. Would I would have liked a little bit more of a subdued Cage at the beginning. Even though it kind of does, like, so it's a little more of a journey. You're watching him transform. Sure, but I mean, the thing, I mean, again, ultimately, he's not transforming, right? You know, like he actually is completely insane, and I think he's insane at the start of the movie. Exactly. No, there's nothing that that has happened to him that you know makes him more or less insane. Yeah. But you, he, he feels he's transforming, which he does 
Cage does do that. He becomes oh, yeah. Nosferatu, especially by the end. Do you think that that end scene with the the Sharon was kind of like a later thing? Like they had to clarify that he raped her? Because it's very ambivalent in any other scene. Mm. She doesn't mm. say that word. They don't show anything. He does sexually assault her by ripping her dress apart. But it's never any more explicit. But he almost apologetically says it. Like, oh, by the way, I, right. I did rape someone. Yeah. And I wonder if that was like a, a later ad. That's all we have for you on this premiere episode of Dare Daniel Cage Match. But we'll be back in two weeks to review another Nicolas Cage movie. Until then, be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook and Instagram. Like and rate us on your favorite podcast app. If you want to support the show, visit daredaniel.com. Find that donate button or click support the show in the menu. Quirky. You're out there, mm. late nights, you're in the clubs, you're doing Nosferatu shoulders. What's your whole deal? What are you up to these days? Well, you can catch me doing like really polite, gentlemanly cocaine bumps up in the second <laughs> floor of any club. Just by myself, just sitting there silently, slowly sniffing cocaine, laughing. Um, yes. Actually, I want to bring up one thing. You said at the beginning that this movie is a white whale for... You know, Nicholas I think Cage Nicolas Cage is a white whale. Oh, he's a white whale. Yeah. I was going to say that recently um, our friends, the Films on Trial podcast, reviewed uh, or they put on trial um, Phantom Menace. And I, oh, rea- okay. I reacted on their social media. I said, oh, this is like the white whale. And Instagram was like, uh, you know, we don't tolerate this racist kind of language. Are you sure you want to rethink <laughs> this? And I was like... No, 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 I'm gonna leave that no. comment. Let's call it the really white whale. It was a white whale, which like, I think oh is God. hilarious because it's a reference to Moby Dick, right? Which probably wouldn't get that censored. <laughs> like you could say Moby Dick, and they wouldn't be like, you know what, Dick? We don't really like. like- hey, wow. <laughs> but white whale, I thought I thought that was pretty weird. Can you but- not talk about Moby? That ooh, 2000s <laughs> DJs that just we didn't weren't, weren't into his recent. You know shit. his just- vegan for life <laughs> attitude. <laughs> right. <laughs> But also check out Films on Trial. Those guys are great. Oh, my God. They're still just chugging along. They're still just putting things on trial. They're still um, kind of an extra legal star chamber that <laughs> directors and celebrities of death. You've probably read about them in all the papers. It's uh, quite controversial. How about you, Dan? Oh, boy. Oh, you know, I'm just out there. I'm doing my thing. I'm just uh, I'm talking to the people. Yeah. Um, I'm getting a sense of the thing. Uh, I'm rapping. I'm rapping with the youth. I'm um, getting my hands dirty. Getting getting, getting in there. Getting a little elbow grease. A little elbow grease. You sound like Pete Carroll, man. We're doing the stuff. We're (laughs) jacked up. We're really getting in it. Getting on it. Just doing the right things. I'm just yeah. I this is this is how I was taught to do interviews. You know, it's just like, <laughs> don't be emotional. Just say the same thing over and over and over again. Thousand points I mean? of light, right? <laughs> Team effort. Uh, we're gonna take it one podcast at a time. <laughs> you know. So yeah, no, I'm out there just uh, having fun, living life. Um, got a lust for life. What, what can I say? Oh, for Dear Daniel, I'm Daniel Barnes. Y'all know that. Yep, and I'm Corky McDonald saying that's a polite Coke bump.